0: and welcome to the Inspired Educator Podcast, where educators share insights to improve the educational experience. I'm your host, Dr. Yuling Lee. On today's episode, I'm sharing conversations that I had with three educators who taught during COVID-19 before the summer break. I'm recording this episode on August 21st, 2020, just a few weeks before school begins to reopen for the fall for students in kindergarten through grade 12. In my context in Canada, we have many guidelines about best practices for social distancing and other community based measures to mitigate the spread of COVID-19. Now, as students in grades K to 12 come back from summer break, we are entering a new reality of how learning and teaching may look like for the foreseeable future. In light of COVID-19, I wanted to share these brief conversations about what educators in Western Canada did during the height of the pandemic. I hope some of these educators and their stories can shed some light about the joys and challenges of teaching during the pandemic. Our conversations were recorded over Zoom, so apologies for the audio quality. In this first conversation, I speak to Cassandra, a child and youth care worker in BC. She was involved with administration and infrastructure concerns while school was wrapping up. I asked her about her uh, logistical duties of helping students learn during COVID-19.
1: So I worked as a child and youth care worker, and, but I'm only one day a week. And so I didn't really have enough rapport with the kids to do online stuff. So I ended up opening up um, one of the first hubs. And so the hub school was for tier one workers, kids to go. And so they were allowed to go Monday to Friday, 8 to 3. But it was more of like a day camp because the teachers that were there and us that were there were just supporting because teachers actually gave the kids online work to do. So we set out in the morning where it was um, like a kind of just like an easy morning, get settled in. And then you had an hour block of schoolwork. And then some of the kids had like meetings that they had to do at certain times with the teachers, So they do that. And then we'd try and do stuff outside. But it was really tricky because um, they started making it so tier one workers then tier two workers and tier three workers could go. So we started getting more and more kids, but you were only allowed a certain amount of kids in the room with a certain amount of adults. So then it ended up spreading where some kids were in the library, some kids were in the gym, some kids were in the music room. And so it was really interesting. And then I think that was for the month of March and a little bit into April. And then it was working really well. So they ended up opening up hubs at a bunch of different schools. And so I think in Langley, they had like six different hubs going for a while before st- kids started coming back in. And then, yeah.
0: Hmm. Can, can you describe like... Uh how you went about configuring or discerning the max number of students in a room. And
1: yeah, so that was all done by the principal and she was just talking to the superintendent and they were deciding like how many kids they think should be in a room. So it was kind of going with, um, what Canada was saying at the time. So at one point it was like five people could be together. And so we had like three kids in a room with like two teachers and there was always one teacher in every room and then one support worker. So either an SCA or a child and youth care worker. Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: Cool. So did, I'm assuming it kind of changed as yeah. days went by? And...
1: So it started out originally, it started out with like five kids. Mm. Um, and then as time went on and they were saying like, oh yeah, grocery store workers are actually essential. So their kids should be allowed to go. It started getting busier and busier. Uh, but it was definitely better when it was like run like a day camp and we started doing um, something on every day. So Thursdays was like Green Thumb Day and Friday was experiments and um, Monday was like making like fidget spinners. So either making Play-Doh or slime or just something that like they could do and take home. And, yeah.
0: Hmm. So then... How long did it take for for you to like transition from I'm assuming it's just like traditional teaching like mm-hmm. worksheets or something and then moving towards the day camp like how long did it take to to discern that um,
1: for me, it was easy because I'm a child and youth care worker. And so I was just working one day a week at a school, but it was my first year at the school. And so my job was to support kids emotionally. And so I didn't actually ever do any work with any kids. It was just, well, I guess like we did work, but not necessarily like worksheets or math or English or anything like that. It was going over like support and it was talking to them about like what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, how to make friends, friendship groups. So then going from that into this um into this hub was really weird because no one knew what they were doing and um some teachers were really really good at telling kids okay every Monday we're gonna have a meeting at 9 a.m and this is the homework you have to do for the week where other kids teachers just didn't do that and it was just they just didn't really know what they were doing when they were doing so it probably took like a good like probably like week and a half, two weeks to like find out who everyone's teachers were and what they have do when they have do and what they're supposed to be doing. But then it changed all the time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had friends who were teaching in other settings and the changes were, were dramatic from, from what you yeah. described. Um, I, I guess I'll just end with this. Um, can you kind of share two memories? Like if, if there was two vivid memories, one of something that went really well. Mm -hmm. It could be big or small, but then also something that was especially challenging during that time. Yeah,
1: I think the thing that went really well was when we turned it into a day camp and started making certain things on each day. And so we started out with like a big scavenger hunt for the kids and we were allowed to um, touch paper. That was the only thing that was allowed to go like back and forth, no other like objects. Um, and then the thing that was really tricky was you have a lot of adults with not a lot of children and you have a like, you have a lot of different people's opinions. Um, there were a couple of teach. teachers. There was one teacher in particular who was really, really nervous about COVID and would wear gloves all day and would wear like a painting smock and would be like six feet, six feet, like get away from me kind of thing. And was quite strict where other people where it was still like kept the rules in place, but a little bit more like lenient and relaxed. Um, and then it was really tricky because we had kindergarten to grade eight and you're just trying to make something for all of them to be fun. And so yeah, that would have been, that was hard.
0: But is there anything that you think, um, teachers have learned during this time that they should carry on into like regular practice?
1: Um, I'm not sure. I feel like teachers didn't really have a lot of time to learn because they were like, okay, you're going to teach online. Okay, now you have to teach part-time online and part-time in class. And now it's, you're just teaching again, full-time in class, but who knows what can happen. So I think, I feel, feel like the teachers are doing really well, which is going with the flow and just, like taking whatever comes at them. So probably just keep doing what they're doing.
0: From my conversation with Cassandra, I can tell that it was such a huge undertaking to pivot the school towards different models of teaching and learning. Yet, as Cassandra pointed out, teachers were able to go with the flow and work through many of the issues, even when they have diverse opinions about pedagogy or even safety. This is going to happen in the fall as well. So more than anything it seems like our teachers will need to be adaptable to any circumstance and revise and modify in the upcoming year. My next conversation is with Lauren. Lauren is a teacher in Alberta and our conversation involved her approach for remote or distant learning, especially the use and challenges of technology.
2: So I teach grade 3 and when Alberta Leading up to the school closures, they were kind of providing a lot of guidelines on what schools will look like as they continue to remain open. And then they decided that they would shut the schools. So, our school, it shut down just prior to spring break. So, that gave us some time as a school to take some time to figure out what remote learning would look like, what types of procedures and such that our school would proceed with, and how we would communicate with families. And then our school went on spring break. So, when we returned from spring break, that was the introduction to uh, the remote learning experience.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Can you kind of like describe what? A typical day look like how how you would do remote learning?
2: Yeah, so the Alberta provincial guidelines were set out based on grade level. Um, sorry, ranges of grades. So I, as a grade three teacher, I was within the K to three. Um, grade range. And so how that worked was we were required to provide one hour of curriculum instruction each day. So half an hour of math and then half an hour focused on literacy. So what I, what we ended up doing was with my grade level partner, we kind of combined uh, our teaching together. Uh, We we did a lot of co-planning and co-teaching. So we did multiple live lessons throughout the week. And then, um, some kind of canned pre-prepared videos that we would do and then in terms of activities that students did it completely depended on the day but we obviously relied heavily on technology Uh, certain schools did packages that they handed out we stuck with our grade different grades at our school did different things but we stuck with the online delivery so we used um google or sorry google classroom is our platform and it seemed to work for a delivery method. It worked okay. Uh, it was a lot of on-the-fly learning and the students adapted pretty quickly, which was neat to see, but it was not without its uh, growing pains. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so everything um, is integrated into Google Classroom, I'm assuming. Uh, reflecting back, were there any particular surprises like, you're like oh, this, this worked well? And also, were there any particular challenges in teaching this way?
2: Yeah, I think one of the particular surprises was I have not given students enough credit up to this point about their technical literacy. So we teach We teach computers in school, they use them, Um, but being in a younger grade, we don't have as much access as the older grades would, but we still have at our school, we have a very high involved rate of being able to access like Chromebooks and such. Um, But I was blown away and I know that it was not without a lot of parental involvement and I'm sure coaching and YouTube tutorials that parents are trying to access, but overall pretty quickly the students were quite literate with being able to access um, google classroom and then also being able to access the assignments joining into the video conferences and stuff i think the surprise for me was though uh, I, I was surprised at um, what classroom management was like in a virtual classroom uh, it was not without its challenges it was very different from being in a physical classroom but Challenging, nonetheless, everything from microphones on and off to flashlights and cameras and tech issues and you name it. It was, yeah, it it proved to have its challenges, especially with younger students.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I guess um, a, a last question that I would have about your experience is: Is there something that you found beneficial that you would love to continue when you begin the the face to face learning again? Any type of lesson? Yeah, that's or, a, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no,
2: that's a great question because that was actually something that our, uh, we had weekly collaboration meetings with our administrative team, uh, with our partner teachers. And what a lot of the conversations were around was, this is a big opportunity for there to be a shakeup in the world of education Um, it's an opportunity for us to maybe change the way that we are doing things and recognize that there's things that we're doing in this remote learning environment that we had not previously been doing but that they would definitely have a place within the classroom so um, i'm trying to think of a specific but google classroom i had previously used as more of just a launch platform in my classroom like hey guys we're going to learn about this concept today here's a website we're all going to join here Pick an animal that you're interested in, and we'll go with that. Whereas now that I've seen how useful Google Classroom can be for even younger students, and being able to access and complete tasks and such in there was a huge, a huge surprise, um, and something that I'll definitely look to continue. And we also we we used a lot of different types of online. Uh, programs. A lot of them opened up during COVID and allowed for free subscriptions. We had previously used Mathletics and used it quite extensively and it was a really uh, powerful tool uh, for students to be able to play math games but also demonstrate understanding of concepts um, and we used a lot of like Google Docs Google Slides and such and seeing the creativity of students that maybe in the classroom were more reluctant with pencil to paper but when they had the opportunity of using a tech tool really flourished so it was neat to see uh, in a really short period of time how technology can work really well for some students, but also there's other students that it may not be the best fit for. But yeah, I'm hopeful that maybe with this uh, rush into the online learning, that maybe there'll be more opportunities to infuse tech into the classroom in the future, especially for the younger students.
0: Lauren points to the possibility and reality of a tech-infused classroom in the near future. Of course, there are always futurists who laud the potential of digital technologies, especially involving teaching and learning. Yet, she did say that technology can work really well with some students, but not necessarily with others. Now that some school districts have revealed their proposals for the upcoming year, there are plans for at least some of the students to have online or blended learning. I'm not sure if this will just be a temporary thing due to COVID, but I suspect that our schools have been accelerated down this path towards at least a partial online or blended learning type of model. Now, my last conversation is with Shirley. Shirley is a special education coordinator in a more rural part of BC. I wanted to share this conversation because even though she had to wrestle with the typical COVID challenges, um, it offers a glimpse into how educators were already preparing for this upcoming school year.
3: Okay, so I am a special ed coordinator of a K through 12 school, but I also like to be in the classroom. So I also, or this past year, I taught Composition 10 and Foods 10. So after the whole COVID thing happened and the kids had to stay home for the first portion of the time, I taught my high school students in an asynchronous model which means that we released all of their assignments as well as my screencastifies or my Zooms or Google Meet. Actually, we did a lot through Google Meet, but I released everything on Monday. And the students had until Saturday to have their work completed because most of the students in my school work. A lot of the kids um, ended up working in labor positions because I'm quite rural And a lot of the, um, for example, the Mexican laborers that normally do a lot of the farm work weren't able to come through. So a lot of my students were hired. So most of my kids were working and that was the justification for the asynchronous model. So for my um, composition students, especially, they basically got their assignment at the beginning of the week and I kind of helped those who contacted me via Google Meet. So I didn't have a lot of FaceTime with them just a lot of marking but my big fun piece that I loved is um, I kind of got upgraded to administration for the COVID time and I had to look after all of the essential service workers children as well as the my special ed students of high need so we set up our school gymnasium so it was all socially distant originally I set it up in family pods and uh, probably about five weeks in I changed it to grade pods but I that was more of a challenge because we had to really keep the kids socially distant but i had um on one day a max of 25 students from grades from k to 10 um, coming to school and they came to school from 8:30 to 12 30 every day the high school students came on an as-need basis the others especially the emergency service workers children came every day um the children that w- our school is completely bused, so of course our buses did not run in COVID, so parents had to bring their children. But for the parents that were unable to bring their children, I we, we were able to hire educational assistants to be drivers, but of course they had to sanitize their vehicle and they could only take one family at a time and all those good things. But um, it was a fantastic opportunity for me to do, of course, a lot of um, multi-grade teaching, but not only that, um, for some of my students that normally really struggle with in class, lots of people having to sit down, behave. They they did so well in this gym atmosphere. Um, it's too bad we can't keep it going, um, but it was, it was a fantastic opportunity. The downer of the situation, I have two category A students that I normally work with. They are both very immunocompromised, so I did not see those students I haven't seen them since COVID. I've actually, well, now this summer I bumped into both of them. But I, for school, we just sent things home. We didn't actually get to do any, hey, hi, how are you? Which you know, you get really attached to these kids, so that's kind of hard.
0: Have they described what the expectations will be in the fall? No. <laughs> yeah.
3: You know, when we went back to school in June, then my school operated K through five on an alternating model. So we basically split the kids in half, but we did it by families. So at least elementary so that you weren't, all you know, you weren't bringing Susie today and Johnny tomorrow. You could bring them both on Monday, Wednesday, Friday type of model. So we split them by families. Our school is small enough that we could do that. And then our sixes and sevens came to school two days a week or no, sorry, one day a week. And then they had online learning for the rest. And our high school is basically all online. And they came to return their books or to meet their buddies, but, So we were told to kind of expect that to be kind of the prototype for September. Mm. Of course, we're all hoping that that's not the case, that we can have normal, because not the new normal, but the real normal.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I guess just to wrap up, um, what would be, say, one thing that you really miss from the the previous normal, the the old normal? Um, But what would be also one thing from this new normal that you would like to maintain? in terms of, I don't know, teaching practice, pedagogy, or whatever?
3: Mm-hmm. So what I would love to maintain, but I don't know if it's possible, especially with my high school students with this asynchronous model, they, they were very responsible for deciding their own deadlines and getting their work in. So if they were motivated, they could really have a, a life outside of school and still do their schoolwork very well, without it being the eight to three Monday to Friday model. And I think for some students, they that was a wonderful thing. Um, and I'm not sure how you could carry that on in a regular school environment. Um, one thing I missed during COVID of course is my students. I mean, I was one spoiled teacher to actually be around students. Most of my colleagues didn't get that opportunity and teaching without children is, is really not teaching.
0: Thank you to my three guests, Cassandra, Lauren, and Shirley. You're doing amazing things, and I hope and pray for your well-being and safety for this upcoming school year. That wraps up this episode, and until next time, especially for my teacher and student friends, may you stay safe and know that you are doing good work. See you next time.